0: Hello, you're listening to Deathbed Discs with your host, Jade Robles. On this podcast, I asked my guests to bring five songs that they weren't played at their funeral. In 2018, three people very close to me died in the space of eight months, and it changed my perspective on grief and death forever. It opened my eyes to the often sad, strange, and sometimes even a little bit funny world of both death and grief, and how important it is to talk openly about it. And what better way to talk about it than through Music. Yeah. Welcome to Testbed Discs. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Felicity Warner, founder of the Global Soul Midwives Movement who's worked with the dying for more than 25 years. In 2010 she was named Woman of the Year for her work in palliative care and in 2017 she was named End of Life Doula of the Year as well as Most Inspirational Woman. Felicity led the Soul Midwives course that I trained in and I am beyond honoured and excited to get to talk to her today. Welcome Felicity.
1: Oh, Jade, gosh. Um,
0: thank you so much for inviting me. I'm absolutely thrilled and I'm looking forward to this very much. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. Honestly, it's so nice to be able to talk to you. And what an intro and what an amazing just career that you have in, in palliative care, in, in end of life, in working with the dying, um, working with life essentially. And, It's honestly such a treat to get to talk to you and to hear the way that you approach all of these topics. So thank you.
1: Oh, well, Jade, again, it always feels a bit weird um, for me hearing someone recite all that because um, for me, I always... And every day, almost feeling, gosh, I didn't quite do enough today. You know, I wish, I wish there'd been a bit more time to do more. And, and um, I don't really think backwards very much. So um, I feel quite sort of, um, it, it gives me quite a, a weird feeling in my heart hearing all that. But thank you. <laughs> and I, I don't think I deserve thank it at you. all. That,
0: all that well, that's case, not but, true at all. Well, <laughs> we'll, um... we'll agree to differ. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's so interesting, sort of like the world that I've been put into with Soul Midwifery. And I think just to start off, I think for those that don't know what soul Midwifery is or what Soul Midwives do, would you mind just briefly explaining? the work
1: absolutely well uh in a in a nutshell we are um holistic and spiritual companions to the dying and also to their families so that's really important we we're there to offer really uh grounded really solid support to um accompany them through that journey in th- in the last few weeks, months, days, whatever it actually is um, that we're mm-hmm. working with them for um, at the end of life. So, holistically, we're looking at a raft of holistic techniques and therapies um, to. Help them deal with pain, anxiety, to help them, uh, be re-empowered actually as well. Um, because when we're ill, we really lose our identities and we can become very disempowered. So that's part of our holistic work and our, our spiritual support. It's, it's very important to say it's not religious. It's completely non-denominational, but it's about working with the deepest part of the person, the, the part of themselves that only they really know themselves. And, and it's really important when we're, we're going through this journey towards death that we have someone who really knows and understands and recognizes us on that incredibly deep Soul mm. level, so that's that's where that bit, and that's really, I suppose, where the word soul midwife comes in. We're there to work at such a deep level, and midwife, you know, we come in with a midwife, and this is about going out with the support of someone who really understands that journey that they're going on.
0: Mm. I have so many questions that are going to come up um, throughout this um, this this session that we have together. Um, And one thing that I think I'm thinking about right now is the fact that you're always helping so many other people. Um, So I'm actually quite excited to get to like ask you questions and ask what you think about these topics because you're such a help to everyone else. So I wanted to start with my first question, Felicity. Have you ever thought about your funeral before?
1: Yes. Oh, I have. I mean, I would
0: imagine, I would imagine (laughs) so. But I, but I don't think I've, ever, I genuinely haven't ever asked you before. So this is uh, it.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great question. Oh, yes. I mean, I, I suppose one of the ways it a blessing or a curse in the work I do, I'm not sure, but I, I do get a blessing, a blessing. a blessing. Let's, we will say it's a blessing. Definitely <laughs> is, is that I really do get to be able to reflect and think about my own death quite a Mm. lot. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm working with this all day, every day. It could be very easy for me to slip into a place of thinking, well, that's for other people, but it's not for me. But of course, you can't be like that. You have to have your authentic kind of feeling still about what's going to happen to yourself ultimately. So I do think about that. And so I, I have got some real ideas about what I would really like, uh, for my funeral. And, um, and, and it would take ages to probably tell you them all because I, you know, I get quite excited thinking about it, really. It's, it's quite a creative <laughs> kind of exercise, but well, um, there's
0: so many things to think about as well.
1: Yeah, there are. There's I a mean, lot of things. It's, there are a huge amount of things, you know, it's like, you know, how, and I, I guess this is the soul midwife speaking as well is I almost want to support my loved ones through the experience of saying goodbye to me. So Mm. (laughs) I I think about that a lot, but there are some really personal things as well. Like I, when I was in my twenties, I was really into making patchwork quilts and I got really into using little tiny bits of fabric from my own dresses and then my kids' dresses as they were growing up. And I've got one patchwork quilt, quilt I made And I, that is one thing that's really important. I have to be wrapped in that. I don't want her shroud. I've got to have my patchwork quilt. So, you know, straight away that, that is a big thing that's really important to me.
0: (laughs) Um, that's so important as well to be able to like, um, obviously of course you work in, you work in this, in this field. and, And as you said, you've been able to think about it so much, but I think, you know, part of, having these conversations and with Deathbed Discs, especially as well. And, and, and other conversations I have with other people is also about, you know, there's a lot of the time people don't ever really get to lay out their wishes as such, you know, and really tell their loved ones what they want or what they need, or what, you know, if they would like, for example, the patchwork or if they'd like to be buried with specific things or, um, you know, whatever their kind of their, their wishes are. And I think, it's so important that we start to have these conversations so that people can really begin, you know, to think about these things in life, not just when you're at the yeah. end of life, that like in life, when you're still super fresh and you can talk about it as, as much as it's so, you know. Um For a lot of people, it brings so much pain, doesn't it?
1: It does. You know, people are so squeamish. They think if they're going to talk about their own death, that suddenly round the corner this great big bus is going to come and run them over. You know, they've got this superstitious feeling. It's like, a,
0: it's, like it's a curse talking about the death curse. on yourself. Don't <laughs> talk
1: about it because it might bring it on. But but you know, of course, if we can really get people having these conversations like you said, when they're fresh, when they're still feeling really well, this is such a benefit, not only to them, but to all the people around them. And one of the jobs, again, as a soul midwife is to really try and encourage people to think, and I want to say think outside the box, but that almost that's a pun, isn't it? But to really think about what would be important, what's really meaningful for them um, in mm. thinking about their own death? Because we will all have our own different views about this. And there is no one-size-fits-all experience. You know, what Definitely. is really important for me would not necessarily be important for you. So mm. the more we can be talking about what's important to us in achieving a good death, the better it, it all becomes for everybody. Yeah.
0: That's so true. And I'm so happy that we get to talk about these things now. So what's your first song that you would like played at your funeral? And please tell us why you've chosen it.
1: Okay. Well, my family and friends, when they hear this choice, will say, oh, no, it would have to be, wouldn't it? (laughs) But um, (laughs) the the thing is that um, I've chosen You've Got a Friend. It's James Taylor. All throughout my life, I've, I've been a secret closet singer songwriter. And if I hadn't become a songwriter. Really? Oh, yes. I mean, I. Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) So like age 14, I had the a big great coat and a guitar. And I just played songs all the time. So James Taylor's my alter ego, actually. And I love this song, because it's one that I have sung and sung and sung myself. Obviously, it's not my song, but I, I just love the actual song. And it's really poignant for me, um, because in soul midwifery, the people that we are working with, the people we're supporting, we call them our friends mm-hmm. rather than patients or clients, which never felt quite right. So um, you've got a friend really, really uh, speaks to me about the work and how we we just want everyone don't feel lonely just know you know anytime any place you can call you've got a friend and that really epitomizes the whole kind of relationship i think that that we have with our with our dying friends so that that's mm. my number one choice
0: love it
2: when you're down and troubled and you need a helping hand just call up my name and you know wherever I am I'll come running oh yeah baby to see you again winter, spring, summer or fall and all you got to do is call and I'll be
0: there
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend.
0: This week's episode has been sponsored by Aura, a platform run by my good friend Dave and his dad. Together they’re trying to normalize conversations around deaths and grief by giving people the opportunity to plan and organize their end of life together with their loved ones. Basically, you can use Aura to store and share your end-of-life wishes, funeral plans, including songs, of course, and some other really important bits related to both life and death. It really is quite something, so if you have a moment, check them out at www.aura.life. Right, now back to the show. Thank you for that. That's brought so much joy as well Um which is so lovely. I always say, um, a lot of the time people are always like, when I tell them that I've trained to be a soul midwife or that I, you know, kind of read so much about this and, and even doing this podcast, they're like, Oh, death. And, and I always say that, um, I love talking about death and I love talking about death because to me, talking about death is like talking about life and, and joy and all of those like things. And, and I feel so privileged to be able to talk about death and share experiences and, and learn from others and, and hear their, their experiences because I feel it's such a, it's actually full of joy and love and, and happiness a lot of the time. So it's, it's wonderful. So Felicity, um, I have a question for you. What, is a good death? And what, I know it's a very big question. Um, and perhaps, yeah, it's a very big question, but, um, essentially what can be considered a good death? Um, and what can we be doing better to, to achieve better, a better death?
1: Oh, um, Jade, that is a really big question. It's, um, it's huge. I think, as I was saying, just before we played James Taylor, you know, what a good death it might be for me, might not necessarily mm. be what would be good for you. And, I, you know, for instance, I'll always ask people when I begin to work with them, if you can choose, where would you choose to die? And there is a sort of a myth that most people in the big wide world think, oh, well, everybody would want to die at home. You know, they would, they'd want to be in their own bed. They want the cat or their dog with them and their loved ones all around them. Um, in fact, that's not always the case. Some people would much rather die in hospital knowing that they've got professionals around them and there's you know medicine to be had easily and and they can be cleaned up easily with no embarrassment. So um what is a good death is really hard to actually um mm. generalize about but i would say that a good death is as much um, um, a sort of having peace of mind. Um, it isn't just the clinical things like having good pain relief, which obviously is really super important. Um, and having symptom control is really important. But what I think makes all the difference is where somebody feels totally held totally safe in being who they are in being heard that's enormous as well and really important and that and that in a way in a way that death is is able to just unravel very gently it's an intimate process and it's a very complex process on so many levels and I think emotionally and psychospiritually if people are able to um, unravel at a very gentle pace talk about their fears their loves their dreams reflect on how their life has been all that really makes a very good death so I think it's a multi-dimensional process if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like, how can we grieve well as well? Um, my last episode was Mark Lemon. Um, you know, we, we, we spoke a lot about that as well and like how there is no one size fits all. And it is very difficult to kind of really get to the bottom of what that is. It's it's a lot of things. I guess sometimes I quite like to do with deathbed discs is give a few tips to people. So, like, what are kind of like two things that we can be doing to help people that may be at the end of life? Kind of even the simplest of things. Oh, Jade, that's a really good question
1: because I'm really passionate about giving other people tools to work with, mm. with this because it's all very well for someone like a soul midwife to breeze in, you know, like Mary Poppins. I've got the bag. I've got all the. You know, I've got the singing bowls, and that isn't. really really what we want to be doing. So yeah. if we can teach the loved ones, the other people who are gathered a few simple tips, that is really that's cool. That's really mm. giving some help. So the number one tip I would really say is if you're with a dying person, is immediately slow right down. Slow your movements down. So you're speaking down and just consciously come down several Mm. levels. That's really, it's, it's easy, but it makes a huge difference. And the other one, the other thing I think is really important is to remember to leave all your own baggage outside the room when you go in. Don't bring your own needs and your worries and, 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 and solutions into the room it's hard that is quite hard you know for for a, for a member of you know member of the family to do because we all come in with our own sort of mm. dynamic which can be quite complicated but i think there is this wonderful you know to hold space and just not have any expectation of outcome Again, that's, I think that is a really important thing. So just be, have, have your, just your undivided focus and attention and love, 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 and more love is always <laughs> going to be the best thing
0: as well. We love, love. That's the best one. We do. <laughs> oh. It's so, it's so wonderful as well. Cause like, you know, obviously, especially after the last year and a half that we've had, there's been so many people that have been like dying on their own and like haven't been had access to that. And I wonder also that must have been very difficult for a lot of soul midwives to like, how do you show that love without, you know, being able to touch someone or being able to like even hold them, um, or hug them and how important that is and how how apparent that has also become throughout this whole time, just how much we really truly need it. And especially when we're at the extremities of life, such as in the in the in the in the process of death, um, how much we truly just need that, you know, love and and affection and how difficult that's been. I, I wonder, has it get been getting better? Like have you been able to be more in person now?
1: We are, I mean, slowly, bit by bit. The doors are reopening. It it is getting Mm. better. But I think we've learned an awful lot from COVID, you know, and it has changed things in some ways for the better in as much as it has put a focus on how important it really is to give people your time and your presence Mm. when they're dying. And and to really be physical if you can. You know, people never realised until COVID came along that so many people die alone and lonely. People people always think, oh, well, they're in hospital and, you know, it's all nice. They've got lovely nurses there that come and sit with you. It's not always like that because they work under such pressure all the time. But I think COVID really showed people um, and... Brought it to their attention that actually it's so important that people don't mm. die alone and they do have one person who's there for them, um, holding their hand or just listening or just being, I mean, we had to do so much of our work. Um, I mean, ridiculously over Zoom or FaceTime or, you know, I mean, we phones. did, I did
0: a training session with you over Zoom.
1: You did. I mean, and, and you know, if you told me that at the beginning of COVID, I would have said, no, nah, that's never going to work. But actually, it did. Well, I hope it did. Yeah, yeah. You're, the,
0: you're the proof of the pudding. It definitely did. It definitely did. My eyes to... were a bit like, had a bit of like a square shape yeah. by the end of it, but I was definitely hooked. That's <laughs> well, for sure. You weren't the only one with the square shaped eyes.
1: Um, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I think, you know, we have learned, we've had to learn, we've had to adapt. And I think actually we can do so much with with technology to help the dying. Mm. But there's nothing that really replaces somebody sitting at the bedside and holding your hand and I'm saying, You're that. doing really well. You're doing so well. And you can't take that out of the equation. But things are gradually you opening up again.
0: Yeah, you do need someone to. That's be what you need the... to hear, isn't it? Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that as well. So, what's your second song? And please tell us why you've chosen it.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Um, my second song, um, is a song that probably won't be that familiar to other people. I, again, I hadn't thought about this, but it's taking me back to my, my other sort of <laughs> period in my life where I, I just loved singing and, and music so much. Um, it's called May Morning Dew. And, um, I love it sung by Dolores Keane. She's got a very, uh, quite a raw, um, sort of, um, I, I hope she wouldn't be offended, but a kind of a real kind of tinker's voice, which has such beauty and, and, and authenticity in it. Um, it's a song of yearning and love. It's about an old cottage in Ireland that has a story written in its stones and it's about the people who've lived there. I, I've chosen this because I, I, I work very deeply with people when they're dying. I, I cannot have a casual relationship with them. They are too important to me. I want to work with their soul. I want to really, really honour that person. Mm. Um, and when I first heard this song, I mean, I think my heart stopped and my my breath stopped. I just went, oh, that is so, 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 so gut-movingly, exquisitely wonderful. And it, it almost felt like my soul was singing it and so whenever I hear it it kind of takes me back to that that's that's the feeling that's the place where I want to be with someone that I'm working with so mm. I've chosen it for that um and I I, I love it so much uh, well I love it as well I can't hear enough of it so
3: <laughs> there we go how pleasant in winter to sit by the hall listening to the barks and the howls of the dog, or in summer to wander the white valleys through and to pluck the Flowers in the morning dew. Summer is coming, oh, summer is here with the leaves on the trees and the sky blue and clear, and the They are singing, they're far not so true. And the flowers, they are springing in the May morning dew. That was just
0: gorgeous.
1: It's beautiful, isn't it? It uh, mm. takes me to a very deep place,
0: certainly. <laughs> um, Felicity, for someone that works uh, so much with the dying, I have a question for you, which I don't know if it might be a silly one or not, but have you ever been afraid of death? Ah, oh, that's a good question again to ask. I, um,
1: As a child, I really was. I had mm. quite a strange um kind of connection with death and dying. Um I you know I grew up in Cornwall um uh, my husband always says Cornwall's 50 years behind anywhere else. <laughs> And I remember as a child that there was a hearse in in our town that had sort of horses with feathers and and etched glass windows, and I was absolutely you know fascinated and horrified by the spectacle of uh, spectacle of seeing that out. And I also remember that I I was quite wary of people if they'd been to a funeral. I always felt quite like I didn't really want to sort of be near them um, for a few hours. I felt there was something quite sort of odd hanging over them a sort of energetic sort of black cloud um so as a child I think I was um perplexed and I think I was quite frightened um and I but I was intrigued as well by the mystery of it Mm. all um as I've got older um I I and I've seen so much death obviously in the work I've done I I come through it thinking really it's 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 a transcendent experience. I feel that there is some something extraordinary that happens just right at the end of human life as consciousness expands. So that takes away fear, but I feel very upset still if I see enormous suffering that I can't mm. do anything to leave. And so that brings in a sort of, um, almost a quality of fear at times in working with someone who is really struggling so much. It's not so much fear as as feeling hopeless for them, but wanting to be strong at the same time. So it's quite um it's quite a complex sort of feeling about it, I think. Um, but overall, I I have seen so many amazing deaths that have been so incredible Mm. that it does change your view on it
0: certainly Mm. yeah what because I just learned for the first time the other day what sanatophobia is which is which is kind of right this idea of like this fear of the non-existence right or this this fear almost of the void of, of death what can one say to someone when when they fear death? to that extent.
1: Oh, well, you see I love this
0: because I I've got I've got a few
1: tools that I could really come out with. So yeah. immediately I think oh okay fine. So I mean I, I mean obviously none of these tools work for everybody. But um, I think that fear of the black hole, the fear of the void is terrifying for people. So one of the tools I would use is to use a creative visualization with them, leading them through, I mean, an imaginary place, um, a lovely garden or a beach or beautiful woods to a place that they will walk through as they go towards death, but then to imagine a beautiful place that they can rest Mm. in once they have died. And that can be such a help to people, imagining somewhere that they can actually go to after death that will be a comfort to them Until they Mm. kind of find their feet again. And that can really help people who've got that terrible fear of, well, I don't even know what's going to happen. And will it be a Mm. big black hole and I'll be gone forever? So that is quite a, quite a wonderful piece of work to do with someone Mm. who's feeling as frightened as that. So I would do that. And I would also, I would do breathing exercises with them. I would talk through this this feeling, I would gently try and unravel and unpick it and have conversations about where this Mm. is really coming from. So again, this goes back to working with people at a really deep space, I guess.
0: Yeah. So much of that and kind of building that imagination and building that world that can help people and alleviate people and that sort of bringing grounding as well, right? And that kind of taking that time. Why do you think we struggle to talk about death? I think it's because our
1: culture has become averse, Mm. To, to having these conversations. I think years ago, people did sit around the fire. They probably sat around mm. the fire with their dying person on the floor on sheepskins, listening to them, talking about them dying. You know, it was all much more normal. Whereas now, yeah. it's, you know, we, we take our dying people usually away. We don't even sort mm. of see what's happening. We, we don't know what it smells like, what it sounds like, what it looks like to have a dying person around us anymore. That's completely Completely disassociated ourselves from what's happening, and that disassociation has brought fear with it mm. because we we no longer know or or understand it. So it's so sad, really.
0: Yeah. We've we've gone backwards.
1: It's like ways. um, I
0: was talking. Yeah, I was actually just briefly talking to Rachel, who's the founder of this Instagram account. Well, not it's not only an Instagram account, but it's this network called The Grief Network. And um, we were talking about, you know, this idea that she was reading this book called With the End in Mind. Yeah. Um, Ra- Rachel Mannix. Is it? Yeah, and Catherine Mannix. Yes. Catherine Mannix. And yeah. You know, we've been sold this idea that like death is kind of like, um, this kind of Hollywood idea of death, right? And that, that brings with it a lot of fear as well. And, and is, is, you know, doesn't ever really show the kind of process of death and the end of life and how that can be and how that can actually be positive if done, you know, rightly and done in the right way and Absolutely. with the right people and the right, you know, met- methods. And yes. I think though that the last year has given us room to talk about these things and you know all of these conversations obviously help um but it's so interesting i guess it's not knowing it's the not knowing and and that creates that fear right at the end
1: yeah of the day. absolutely it's that not knowing it's that's a big thing and i think people's imaginations probably yeah. imagine much much worse than the reality of it certainly yeah
0: so we're coming up to our third song what is the third song that you would like to have played at your funeral?
1: Okay. Uh, well, I've chosen the song of the angel. It's by uh, Sir John Taverner. Um, and I had an absolutely, um, mystical experience, um, at his funeral, uh, which I, um, uh, was honoured to be able to go to. I, I had known him a little bit. I, I had, um, we, we'd written letters and I'd met him a few times. Um, and he had an ongoing, um, relationship with death. He, he'd been born with, um, um, something called Marfan syndrome and he, it affected his heart. And I was intrigued. I had, because I have such a love for music, I Mm. had often in the back of my mind. This podcast
0: is perfect for you, Felicity. It's perfect for me.
1: I mean, this is (laughs) such a gift. Thank you so much. But I'd often in my mind, I thought in my mind, wouldn't it be amazing if there could be beautiful music to die to, you know, like mm. we have lullabies for babies, just this perfect piece of music. Mm. And so I, I did actually talk to him about that, you know, is, would there be a perfect piece of music? That would just sort of resonate so well with people at end of life. And he was very interested in Indian ragas and, and how they, um, this Indian pieces of music, um, are he- written as healing scripts, as healing tunes. So we had an ongoing conversation about this. Um, and then so sadly he died. And uh, as I say, I went to his funeral and, um, it was at Winchester Cathedral and the minute i walked in i mean just this this incredible atmosphere of intense sacred um um experience just filled the whole place and um they played some of his most Charismatic and mysterious words during the funeral. It actually lasted about three hours. It was three <laughs> it was,
0: hours. It was the longest the funeral I
1: think I've ever been to.
0: It was Greek oh my Orthodox, God.
1: and it was phenomenal, though. But you, it kind of just it got better and better and better. And this music <sighs> sounds like was, a
0: festival. <laughs>
1: it, it was well, it was a festival for the senses, that's for sure. But you know, you could feel your heart being wrenched open and and your soul just kind so of singing amazing. and joining it it was utterly phenomenal so this piece of music is really important to me because I think if I had this at my funeral I know that everyone would be going wow there she is off she goes you know it's like that leave the
0: planet moment so mm. <laughs> but, uh, I love yes.
3: that
1: oh. I'm intrigued
0: to hear this song now
1: yeah see what you think
0: that was an experience I can't like even begin to imagine what that must have been like walking into a cathedral and just listening to that masterpiece that's incredible beautiful thank you for bringing that this is why I love doing this podcast because you get to hear like the most incredible songs um and it's such a joy well for me it's a joy (laughs) yeah um at your funeral, would you, is there anything like special that you'd have at your funeral?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm really getting warmed up now because I, I probably, you know, I probably have a, have my own three hour concert. I was going to say, that, would that, you it, have a three hour yeah, one too? That might just <laughs> I feel like you'd enough. have to. With me and the, the patchwork quilt and, and, the, and the, and, and the full choir, of course, you know, and the and a symphony orchestra, of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> so there is, there is a piece that I think I would have to have. Again, it's a bit like my signature tune, like James Taylor is, but, but this piece that I'm just going to talk about now is Spiegel in Spiegel. It's by Arvo Pert. And it really has become, a signature tune, to my work. Whenever I, I've been running courses, I've been teaching people how to sit with the dying now for so many years. Mm. And when we were all doing face-to-face courses uh, before COVID came, I always played this trap as people came in. And it was very transformative. They they had their long journey to come on the course and they'd be a bit harassed and they'd be a bit nervous and they weren't sure if they were doing the right thing in coming, You know, spending a whole day talking about death. Was it going to be awful and freak them out or were they going to be in tears so I've watched people with this range of emotions arrive and I would have this in the background and by the time they'd taken their coats off and sat on their Mm. chairs they'd all gone like this and it always worked every time and in fact it has another sort of significance it is music that I have used to vigil for people at end of life with um, it's beautiful music because it's quite hypnotic, it's very um, sort of symmetrical its it really personifies a sacred mystery, it's very ethereal it's very beautiful so I'd love to share that
0: with you and I would definitely have to have that one at my funeral amazing, well I think we should listen to it Right. That is such a marvelous marvelous piece of music. it's beautiful
1: it certainly is you you get mm. that sort of feeling it's it's peaceful and calming but it's also mm. quite uplifting there's something in it mm. that says it's all right everything's going to be fine and there's mm. just something undefinable about that It's wonderful
0: so have you thought of what you would like to happen? like what would you like your body to be turned into or what oh yeah well i i have
1: thought about this um and i think i think i'll probably be cremated mm-hmm. <laughs> um i quite like the idea of fire it's quite positive it's decisive um i've got a lot of fire in me um, i have a lot of fire and i have a lot of water so that's quite a lot of steam that can be produced <laughs> Um, I quite like Love the thought that. of, of being burnt quite quickly and then my ashes being sprinkled in the water. Um, and I'm a real water babe. I swim all the time. I go wild swimming. I have to be near water. I'm a double Piscean. You know, water is so important <laughs> to me. So I quite like the idea of that. That, that would feel quite good for me. So, um, that's what I'm working
0: on at the moment anyway.
1: Hopefully I love will be for a long time.
0: <laughs> Hopefully. Touchwood. No, all be good. Yeah. Um I love that cuz there's so many things now as well like um I know that there's quite like a big trend, or trend, of like how can we make um that part like sustainable? Like I know there's like kind of like cardboard coffins and and someone the other day um we were talking about this and someone the other day was saying that how like um burials can have such a like large carbon footprint and can actually be quite bad for the planet, which I'd never even thought about ever. I hadn't ever mm. like contemplated that. So it's quite interesting that now. People are beginning to wake up to other solutions. Well, uh, yeah, other ways, right? To yeah. kind of what can be done at the end, and, and yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah,
1: it is interesting. I mean, actually, no. Can I? Can I just change my mind slightly? I know what I would of really, really, really like, and Go that on. is is to have an air burial. I'd like to be put at the top an of air a big tree. Yeah, and then. Birds come down, you know, birds of prey will come and eat a bit of this and a bit of that. Now, that I think would be fantastically nice. Um so, well, and so wait, how be, does the
0: air burial work?
1: Well, um, they do it um in Tibet and places like that where the ground is too rocky and hard to bury people. So they put them out and the birds come and feed on them. And I wow. think that must be fantastic. I really wouldn't mm. mind because I've got no kind of feelings about my body at all once I'm dead you know, I really don't mind what happens to it. But I think being, I mean, eaten, there's not I much burn. you'll be able to say. <laughs> no, exactly. But I, I think I'd be sitting there somewhere thinking, oh, I'm really pleased that buzzard came down and had a really good lunch. And, you know, I mean, I, I think it would be really nice. So maybe well, yeah. I might
0: think about that a bit more, see if it's possible. Giving back in that kind of like cycle, right? Like giving yeah. back nature, giving, that actually yeah. leads really nicely into something that I had really wanted to talk to you about as well this idea of, and I think this just perfectly sums it up, what you've been talking about, kind of the birds feeding on that. And this idea of like birth and death Um, yeah. and how I remember having this like really kind of epiphanous moment when my stepfather was dying and feeling I was at the birth of my sister's first daughter and feeling like I'd kind of been there before and like feeling these like energies and so similar. And um, I'm so interested because when when my stepfather passed away and when I first started like um, exploring this world, nobody really spoke to me about death and birth. And I actually remember feeling like, I was like, oh, Jade, don't compare the two. Like, why would you compare the two? That feels like horrible to compare a baby and someone dying. But actually, like now I'm like, so like, it's just the extremities of life, right? um, I'd love to hear what you sort of think about that. Oh, Jade, I mean, you've just said it. You really
1: have said it all. You know, Birth and death are, are the two sides of, of, of the mirror or the doorway or the coin, whatever we want to say. They are, they are both on either side of a sacred threshold. They really are. And it's interesting because, um, the dying process, it, it takes. You know, a while to die and it's very similar to the, mm. the period of gestation. Um, you know, as a baby is growing, there are so many similarities there. Um, I think they are absolutely closely linked and they mirror each other enormously. So mm. you were, I think you were really spot on in sensing that and, and sensing those energies and, you know, I I also feel that we don't understand enough um, about the energetic sort of aspects of dying. Um, and you've talked about that, you know, the wonderful um, ecstasy when we welcome a child um, into a family, you know, a, a new baby arrives and we all think, oh, this is so marvellous. Well, in mm. fact, you know, there is, it's not exactly like that, But but death has its own kind of It can have its own beautiful energy Mm. as well. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that. Sometimes they experience it at end of life if they've been with someone and they've connected with that. But I think as soul midwives, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I think one of our roles is to really kind of bring that out into conversations as well. You know, really Mm. saying, you know, there are some incredible things that happen at time of death. Um, And it's not always awful and all doom and gloom. You know, you can sometimes really sense an energetic um, happening, an energetic event when Mm. someone dies, especially if they've been really well supported. You know, it's quite commonplace to feel that.
0: Firstly, I love how you've pluralized that and included me in that as well, because I feel very privileged to be included as a soul midwife. (laughs) (laughs) You are a soul midwife. I know, I know. know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still new to it. So it kind of feels a bit (laughs) funny, but nice. So it's nice to hear it from you. Um, you. (laughs) It's true, though. It's so true. And I think, um, again, it's that work of getting people more kind of to connect the two in a better way. And and so, for example, then people could come and say their goodbyes in that important moment as well to the end, just like people do when a, when a baby arrives, right? And it is, it's yeah. that similar energy. It's, I think it is just that extremity of life and it's so, but it's so glorious as well. And like death as well, like, you know, birth can be quite well, not gory because it's quite negative to say gory, but it's obviously very visceral and very human and very yeah. raw and all of those things that death can be too. Yes. Um, And it's so interesting to kind of like, I just love the connection between the two. Mm, I do. I do. Um, I was so lucky. I, I have some grandchildren and,
1: um, we have a, a little boy who was born just eight weeks ago and the pleasure, the pleasure for me in, in holding this gorgeous little newborn who's full of this sort of energy of life. Um, you know, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, the whole of life. Fascinates me and intrigues me and has me in its spell. You know, it just, it does. Completely hooked.
0: Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, as much as I'd love to keep talking to you, we are coming to the end of Deathbed Discs. So, I'd love to know what your last song is and why you've chosen it today.
1: Okay. Well, it's Don't Worry be happy. Um, it's, you know, all through my life, um, if I've been a bit stressed or a bit unsure, I've always sung myself very happy songs to kind of keep me going. When I was a child at Sunday school, we used to have Onward Christian soldiers. So if I was really feeling stressed, that's what, what I would come out with when I was a child. But now I love Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. It's about really knowing that in working with death, in talking about death, we are really in the midst of life. We want to celebrate life in absolutely everything it has and we want to live our life until the very last moment squeeze that last drop out and never forget don't don't worry be happy and I think if we can just be with that that really kind of takes us through the whole thing I love it I love it
0: This is a great last song for a funeral.
2: Here's a little song I wrote You might want to sing it note for note Don't worry
0: I've never seen three people dance so much on a Zoom call.
1: (laughs) Isn't that brilliant? It's so contagious that you just have to. It's (laughs) so contagious. Yeah. Lovely.
0: I love that so much.
1: Oh, I love that song too.
0: (laughs) So we're coming to the end of today's show. And I wanted to ask you one question. Last question. Um. How would you like to be remembered?
3: <gasps>
0: oh, goodness,
1: that's really another hard, massive
0: question. I, I know. feel like I feel like we just need to do like a whole <laughs> podcast show with you, Felicity. Like I feel like it's just way too much for an hour session. <laughs> genuinely, oh, genuinely. <laughs> oh,
1: bless you. I oh, how would I like to be remembered? I don't know. As someone who um. I, I, i hope someone who was kind i i i really value kindness mm. I, I don't you know big gestures don't have to be this or that but i think kindness is is such a thing so kindness and um and and a bit of a um i'm a bit eccentric um but i am myself and i think um uh, you know people if they thought, oh, yes, yeah, we, we kind of, we got her. We're we, not quite sure who she was, but she we, we sort of, she made us laugh or she made us feel safe or she made us feel, you know, loved. Loved. That, that would be enough for me.
0: <laughs> really I love would. that. Oh, thank you. Oh, well... <laughs> Thank you so much, Felicity. I have enjoyed this so much as ever. It's a pleasure to talk to you and everything that you do, all the work that you do is incredible. And I am very proud and honored to form part of the Soul Midwives community and to be a Soul Midwife. And um, thank you for sharing all of that with us today on Deathbed Discs.
1: Oh, Jade, I well, I want to thank you so much for <laughs> inviting me. I've had a lovely time. I've enjoyed all the questions and I've loved all the music. So, um, you know, just once again, thank you for, for everything. It's It's been great. Thanks. Thank
0: you. Thank you for tuning in to Deathbed Discs. It's been a pleasure to have you with us and I really hope you can listen to the next one. If you'd like to write in about anything that we've talked about on the show or even want to send us your own song choices, you can email us at deathbeddiscs at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at deathbeddiscs. This show has been produced by Audio Commune and sponsored by Aura. And lastly, don't forget to tune into our Spotify Deathbed Discs playlist where you can listen to all the songs in their full, uncut and beautiful glory. Until next time, take care and see you soon.